Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Oogie Boogie to my Jack Skellington. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Can you, can you hear the enthusiasm? I can talk. And our very own mayor, it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, you're the mayor. How's it feel? <laughs> Indubitably. Yep, that's, that's all I can remember of that movie that I don't want to trash oh, until later in the show. That's one more thing <laughs> that I remember from it. All right. So, um, Seahawks fans, it's a big. It was a big week in uh, in Seahawks. The Seahawks brought back Fluker. They yep. signed you a potty. Uh, so we got our middle of our line good. We, I think we talked about this all last week. I think well, between the two of them, we have 16 games of guard play. The funny thing about Ayupati is last week when we were going through names, I was like, I kind of want to bring him up, but two years ago, you guys weren't hot on him, and he lost at least one leg since then, and I'm just going to let him fade off into retirement, and we got him. So yeah, three games will be great. If, 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 if he stays healthy, he's good. That's a big if, though. He that's, provides a solid floor, like Kevin Garber would say. That's exactly what I said about that signing. The other part is that I didn't like Ayupati at as much as people were going to have to pay him three years ago. Yeah. At what we paid him now, perfect re- amount of risk. Um, yeah, and then so the uh, other signings, the Seahawks have brought in uh, or brought back KJ Wright and Michael Kendricks to play linebacker, both on extremely team-friendly deals. Um, I'm Doesn't sure. Michael Kendricks have zero dollars guaranteed? Correct. If he goes to jail, <laughs> he will get paid nothing. Um, I'm a big fan of those signings just because it kind of rounds out linebacker. It make I like linebacker went from a mild need to something I don't think the team will look at, even if they cut Mingo. Do you guys uh, agree with that? Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't know. I'd like to see Mingo actually do what he was brought into this. Anything? You could yeah, just say like, anything. Like, actually rush the quarterback and not take on any defensive responsibilities? Uh, I think that or I would still like to see us pick up a little more depth there, but I agree. It moves it Between, from one of our biggest needs to, like, a position that we could address later on I mean, a little bit. I think we have five linebacker, NFL-caliber linebackers on the roster right now. Um, we got You got Bobby, KJ, Kendricks, Mingo, and then you've got Quill Griffin, and then... You know, if you really want to go there, we also brought back Villanova's finest, Kevin. Your favorite Seahawks player, Austin Calitro. So th- there's there's I've guys gotten Seahawks. There's guys on the roster all over the place that <laughs> that can I mean, I think linebacker is something they're not gonna they're not really thinking about right now. Either it's, Kevin disagrees with you or he just ate some sour soup. He just I think he just got a Calitro. <laughs> that's a, that's a new name for old, stomach ulcers, guys. We're going to call them Calitros. Uh, all right, so there's a few NFL free agents uh, still kicking it around, and I was gonna wondering. There's not much time left. Most of the guys are getting snapped up, so I want you guys to plant your flag. Are there any NFL free agents that you want on the Seahawks, like that are still out there? Trey Boston. Trey Boston. Can I, can I say that fast enough? I wanted to say you that. Very I fast. wanted to be immediate. Like I'm that person who's pounding the buzzer as they finish the question. Uh, Trey Boston went for zero dollars and zero cents last year and played really well. He's 26 years old, and he, he does all the things. He, he's tweeting like he tweets like the best stuff. So like for, I think it's a good Twitter follow. He said he tweeted an hour ago. Somebody's one playmaker away on defense. Give uh, from a championship. Give them what they want. Um, I think yeah, he's just a really good football player. Kevin, good hair. Yeah, he's got great hair. Um, he was really good on the on the Cardinals last year and on a team that I thought was like real mediocre on defense. Yeah, I think because he can he can be in the slot and cover a tight end man to man. He can play free safety well. Um, he can go in the box. Like he provides a lot of flexibility. 
He's a guy who could handle some of our slot back duties as well as safety duties, and he can play both safety positions. Is yeah, it the seven, fact that he's so versatile why we haven't brought him in for a visit yet? 79 tackles, 9 pass deflections, 3 interceptions, and a forced fumble. And I honestly think the reason we haven't is because Trey Boston was a free agent, right? He did not get cut. So it's going – we have to um, – we will lose a compensatory pick if we sign him. Even though he's coming off a one-year deal? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so you want to – we want to not – I think right now we want to get on the right side of that calculation. So we're kind of just waiting for one more of our guys to get signed that we cut mm-hmm. or – we were trying to sign cut guys. We just don't want to make sh- want to make sure we end up on the right side of that this year. I think the team because right now I think we'd have what two fours of and a five or two fours of five and a six. Two fours of like five and a six, correct? Yeah, and we we want to make sure we're at least keeping those fours. Yeah, so um, I think Trey Boston would be great. My guy is Jordy Nelson, um, and I know like I feel like everyone's trying to give Jordy Nelson a dirt nap. They're like Jordy Nelson sucks. He's so old. He's slow. In the la- Jordy Nelson to finish the 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 season last year was not just good uh but but excellent jordan jordy nelson's uh last five games let me get his game log up so i get the numbers exactly right okay here here's his numbers he had 10 catches for 97 yards six for 48 six for 88 seven for 75 and nine for 78 with Derek carr on a hopeless team like and the- Derek carr can't throw deep that is like really – those are that's a really solid finish to the season. Yes, he started out slow, but he was coming back from a very serious injury and needed time, I think, to work himself back in. Um, I, Jerry Nelson, I think, would be a great addition to the Seahawks as a potential outside guy who comes in and makes a big difference uh, in our wide receiver rotation. And since he was cut by the Raiders, it does not count against compensatory calculation because he was cut. So I'm really into the idea of getting Jordy Nelson right now. All right, Eric. I Who's think that's uh, really smart. I like that. I'm going to go with a guy who will cost us a comp pick, and that's uh, Quentin Spain, uh, ex-guard of your Tennessee Titans. Uh, he's a run-blocking guy. It would help shore up our line. It's a guard. We sure could uh, use more guard play that will play maybe the whole season. Uh, just a just a good depth guy um, that could start. And two weeks ago, our offensive line was scaring me. It is not scaring me as bad, but this would kind of... Put a lot of my fears to rest. So you just want you just want to get like a, a depth guard in there, so when inevitably someone gets hurt, we're not on the Jordan Roos. Uh, exactly, and I also I, I think this guy would start for us. Don't bring me down, Roos. Oh man, Roos, <laughs> Roos. I thought, <laughs> man, I was I was so high on, on Jordan Roos. I was like the Jordan Roos truther, and then he got in that one game, and I was like, oh, you look so bad. I was like, just kidding, guys. But yeah. Uh, paid him to run in a circle. Quentin Spain provided bang average uh, guard play last year. He's the number 35 ranked guard by Pro Football Focus last year, and I think that would fit in just fine, Eric. I agree. So, yeah. All right. There's a there's our, our top top free agents. Now, um, NFL news. Okay. This, this week was not quite as crazy as last week, where I felt like I just had to, you know, round table as many things as I can. But let's just talk about a few things. Eric Berry remains unsigned. Kevin, Eric Berry would not cost us a compensatory. Trey Boston would. Would you rather? Ha- which would you rather have, though? Would you still rather have Trey Boston? Is the skill gap and injury gap enough, or are you interested in Eric Berry as well? I would be interested in Eric Berry as well. I think that Eric Berry probably isn't a true free safety anymore. He probably would be better used um, as a strong safety or as, uh, especially as like a slot safety. I think that he is very, very good at covering tight ends. 
he would be a good pickup on the right deal. Um, he's another person I like quite a bit. If we can get Trey Boston without losing the pick, if it works out that way, I'd be really happy about that. But if uh, Eric Berry was the um, was the consolation prize, he'd be great on our team. If Eric, the price is right. This is a this is now NFL news, Eric. Earl Thomas is a is a is a Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, one one day after our podcast. Thanks, Earl. Screwing so, us again. So, uh, what do you finger was for you? That deal. <laughs> that deal was um, great for Earl. Man, um, yes. almost fourteen and a half million dollars. As the huge Earl Thomas fan that I am, I read every article I can find, and he's like, "Yeah, I was blessed. You know, I was. I thought I was going to Kansas City, and then the Ravens just blew me out of the water. Which, you know, that's fair. I'm glad he got paid." Um, that's what he always trying to make wanted. me sad. Nathan. He wanted financial security, right? Yeah, I mean, he got it, and honestly, he he bet against himself, or he bet on himself, and it paid off, and I'm really happy for him. I wish he'd have been a little more mature in his last couple of years with us. I'll say this from the Ravens side of that, too, is that some people see this as a pretty risky move. You know, Earl's got the leg injuries, and he's he's been hurt, what, two of their last four seasons? and Two of the last three. Uh, two of the last three, and so people see it as risky, but... The Baltimore Ravens defense needed they needed to hit a home run with whoever they decided to sign. They lost Suggs, they lost Mosley, they lost Weddle. They're 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 they needed whoever they signed to be like a home run. And yeah. there is no one on earth who can change a defense more than Earl Thomas. We know this full well. Uh Earl Thomas was excellent as a Seahawk. You guys probably saw the stat that was circulating where with when he was in, you know, we're first and when he was out, we're thirty first. That was going around. And I think that's a it's a little extreme because we're losing him without being able to plan on it, so it won't be quite so extreme. But, but he's a he's a difference maker. We yeah. all agree. He's very very good at football. He's always been great, and I mean, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer probably will go in as a Seahawk, and I'm cannot be more happy for the guy. Like good for him. And if we could, back with Kevin was saying, if we could get Eric Berry on a team friendly deal, and I could be guaranteed he'd play the whole season or Enough. eleven games of the season. I'd be down with that. I, I like Eric Berry quite a bit. He was always second best to me. Um, and then I have one more Earl thought before he goes. Um, you guys are all Seahawks fans that listen to this podcast. The Seahawks have a home game this year against the Ravens. And if you boo Earl Thomas at this home game, I think you should have to turn in your season tickets. That's that's my God's honest opinion. Uh, don't boo Earl. Earl is... Earl did not leave because he doesn't like you or doesn't like the Seahawks or wanted to leave. He didn't leave for Dallas and give them a hometown discount. He went to Dallas and said, you pay me too, right? He just wanted financial security, and he should just get a hero's welcome. Um, It should be the loudest cheer of the day. This guy was one of the two biggest key cogs in our defense that brought us to two Super Bowls and won one of them. Uh, He's somebody that we should. Well, he wasn't in the first Super Bowl. Yes, he was. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant that the was first. Mike, that was Michael. Uh, excuse so me. When we played two Super Bowls. Oh, yeah, Bowls. we did play yeah. two Super Bowls. Thank you, sir. I was thinking of 2005, and I was like, Michael Bulware, man. That was my dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, and Ken, Ken, Ken Hamlin. Ken Hamlin and Michael Bulware. Ken Bulwer. Hamlin could tackle everything except a street sign. Oh, uh, this, Kevin, too soon. My feelings. For some too reason, soon. For some reason, I this is how much I don't want to think about the Patriots Super Bowl, <laughs> is that I had completely washed yeah, it out of my head. you blocked it out. Like, I'm like... You look so genuinely surprised by that, too. Because there's a thing. You were on both of them. You want to hear one of my pet theories like one of my um like like ideas like conspiracy things if the seahawks run the ball in there or even just pass it in if we score on that play and win that super bowl that germane curse catch is thought of in the pantheon of all-time greatest oh, catches. Was david Tyree. In, it's yeah. better 
it's a better catch. It's a better play. It's in a huge spot. It's just like that, though. Because there was no holding on our play. David David Tyree, Mario Manningham. It's, Jermaine Curse goes right into the fucking the pantheon. And instead, everyone forgets about that play that got us to the one. That catch is insane. It it's, is the most insane shit I've ever seen. The two Giants receivers you mentioned, everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much of a Jermaine Curse hater I am. Jermaine Curse better than David Tyree, better than Mario Manningham. Low bar. Yeah, I didn't mind Mario Manningham. Let's he's not, fine. He's I. It's not uh, whatever. Okay, he is. He's there. Okay, he's no Jojo or Vicious. Let's do a little Rams news because uh, Rams made some moves this week, guys. They did. The Big Rams moves. signed Blake Bortles. They signed the quarterback, quarterback of the future. The curse has moved to Los Angeles. I hate. Everyone knows I hate Blake Bortles, so this is great for me. Um, they signed quarterback, tight end Blake Bortles, and then they also signed Clay Matthews. As if you need a reason to hate them. I already hated the Rams so much. And then they signed my most hated quarterback and my most hated non-quarterback. It's like a perfect storm. So, um, can Jerry Jones buy them? Longtime listeners to this podcast will know. (laughs) Will know. No, their owner sucks. Their owner sucks too. Stan Kroenke's dog shit. Okay. So he owns Arsenal, my favorite soccer team, and he sucks. Um, Okay. So the, uh, but, but here's the thing, okay? Long time listening to this podcast will know I collect shoes. Shoes are something I collect. Every year, Nike comes out with the Dornbacher series, and I they, my collect dunks. And they had a pair of dunks this year, and the kid made them cool. They were green and gold, and they had a chicken on the on the heel, and I'm like, these are so cool. And then I, and then I look, I swipe to the bottom, and there's all these 52s on the bottom, and I was like, why the fuck are there 52s on the bottom of the shoe? And then the blurb, it says, Clay Matthews is the kid's favorite sock football player, and I was like, I'm not buying these, and just <laughs> close the window. They were green, literally Sonic's colors with a chicken on the heel like which is like so in my wheelhouse that i wouldn't buy them because there was 52s on the bottom which makes sense because i could have walked on clay matthews number all day that's true but that's a plus but i couldn't i still couldn't bring myself to do it no can't show support for uh, uh the a, nfc's vontaze perfect that guy is a scumbag like yeah vontaze he should have how many i wonder how many fines he's paid did you so vontaze perfect got cut instantly gets an interview with the raiders which is the best thing that could have happened has where else signed. is he gonna go yeah. he's been signed oh they already signed him yes. too they didn't just interview yeah, him. he okay. said uh they're like how do you feel uh being paired with antonio brown he's like it's all love did you okay. naturally <laughs> did you uh first of all like i had like eight concussions last year so good good luck with that but the oh. second thing um eric did you see in the group chat i put how many million dollars of fines he's paid yeah what it's like a th- it, over four million dollars in fines he's yeah. paid in his career yep That's and those a- fines are like a couple hundred thousand a pop that means he's getting a, a ton at first they were like fifty thousand. i mean that's a lot of fines it's yeah. more than indomitian sue i would think yeah he's, he's a, a very dirty player he's a turd hey speaking of indomitian sue Guess who's a free agent? That's a guy. I thought who I thought you were going to say, Eric, when I went to you for the. Oh, really? Should the Seahawks sign? Nah, it's uh, it might be nice, but we'll see how the draft shakes out. I thought you were going to say Donkey Kong Sue. Okay, uh, our to our positional Indomitian topic. Idol. What did you say, Indomitian Island? Indomitian no, Idol. That was, that was oh, my uh, fantasy football oh, team name one year. Oh my gosh, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, <laughs> we were, we're usually like. Portland. Most years impressed with Kevin's team name. Port- yeah, most of the time it makes me like slightly uncomfortable. And I laugh really hard, so that's probably you're telling the line nicely. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I'm going for. Um, okay, so on our depth chart right now at wide receiver, the Seahawks have Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. Very good. Then they are backed up by Jaron Brown, David Moore, Amara Darbo, Malik Turner, Caleb Scott, and Keenan Reynolds. Okay, first question: Do the Seahawks take more than five wide receivers to the regular season this time? More than five? I don't think so. Eric? I can't see us bringing in more than five. I don't know. What's our tight end number? Three? 
Probably three. It's probably yeah, Vinette. Okay. It's, it's probably Vinette, Disley, and Dixon. It's right yeah. at five. Okay. Um, okay. So then my next question is, of those of those eight guys, are there more than four that you feel comfortable with, like going into the season? No, it's Lockett, Baldwin, Moore, and Brown. So, yeah, I, I'm like. I'm like only ho hum on more. I know I'm like the guy that like is. I'm, this is like my corner, I guess, because everyone loves David Moore so much. But David Moore is, if he's your third best wide receiver, I think that that's a that's a problem. Uh, I believe I listed him as our fourth best wide receiver in that scenario, behind Jaron Brown. Jaren, what did Jaron Brown do last year? That makes you I was going to say, what do you? What makes you think Jaron Brown? What did David Moore do? That okay? Thank you. Thank you. He made he got I, three. I, I think these are both our numbers. They're catches. tied for our number four wide receiver. Okay. And we don't have a number three. Catches. You you think you agree with me that we need to get a wide receiver that beats both of these I guys. think either one of them needs to take a step forward, of which Moore is more like God, I hate that. What Moore is uh, has a higher likelihood Fair. of taking a leap <laughs> just because his raw physical ability is very strong and he's in kind of a growth phase as a player. I think Jaron Brown kind of is what he is, which is a solid, like, number four option. I so if I'm betting on who can take him. a step, it's more. But do I want to bet my season on that? Nah. Okay. I mean, having Baldwin all year will be nice, but I would love to have a true number three wide receiver. Kevin, Eric, Amara Darbo, any shot that he makes the jump and finally becomes, like, a potentially useful NFL player? Shot, yes. Likelihood, low. No way. No way. This guy has not caught in anywhere he's been on any level. There's a reason why he was cut by us the first time. I have no faith in this guy. I don't know why we drafted him. Game over. Third round pick. Nice job, guys. Okay. Um, it makes That's a Tom Cable pick. It Cable makes pick, by the way. Tom Cable picked him because he's a good offensive lineman. Correct. That's, he's like, I'm, that's my theory. I'm this kid is it. a great stock blocker. That's what he said. Him and Calvin <laughs> Benjamin. Kevin. Great offensive lineman. That was an inside joke receiver. right there. I like that. That was... Stop. He's like such a you good, got me pretty good. Such a good stock blocker. Okay. Um, speaking of stock Him blocking, and Pumba. Speaking of stock blocking, uh, the NFL prospects are out there. We got guys with uh, great physiques like DK Metcalf. Can I use one of my favorite terms? What? This is a choose your own adventure kind of draft class. Okay. What kind of wide receiver do you want? Because they're all out there. It's a choose-your-own-adventure kind of draft. Let's start off with a guy that we're probably not going to have an opportunity to pick, but we both spent time looking at, and that's uh, that's DK Metcalf. Uh, DK Metcalf is was the uh, I would I say say somebody else, and I was getting really excited already. Star wide receiver for Mississippi. I don't know what to no. call him. Uh, he's the star combine receiver for Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't really know that was a, that what was a to brutal think of him. Hit Kevin. I think uh, it's a it's a brutal fact. Um, would okay. you like to hear his numbers from last year? Uh, he had 26 receptions for 569 yards. Uh, clearly the productive receiver there. I'm just, okay, it's just hard for me to get excited about a guy who ran in a straight line a lot. And and that drops 10% of the drops, passes? Dropped just not insignificant, right, a not insignificant number of, of the passes. To be fair, his quarterback sucked. His quarterback but- was really bad. But this is a guy who, I think, he's a developmental project, and you do not want to draft one of those in the top ten of the NFL draft. I just don't get it. It just, like, reminds me of when the the Lions drafted, like, project-wide receivers three years in a row. And they expected, like, one of them to pan out. Like, sure, Metcalf could end up being Calvin Johnson or, like, really, because he has physical tools. But But he also could end up being no one. He showed no route-running ability. and He has bad hands. 
and I'm not sure about his. He has questionable hands for sure. But the thing that scares me is not only did he not really run routes well in college, but if you look at his combine where he clearly trained up, he has bad three cone and shuttle numbers, which tells you that his lateral speed and his ability to cut, if he needs to change directions, he has to slow down a lot more than you'd want to see, which mean which means that his routes are predictable. He's not quick and smooth in and out of his cuts, which makes it harder for him to use his speed on the field and harder to separate. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's super he's explosive. explosive athlete. He's very physical. He can run right by people. Um but right now he looks like bad Nikhil Henry. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Or Nikhil Henry. I don't want to pick him really high. I would if he was like a top of the second round kind of guy, or maybe like a late second round kind of guy. I would be. I'd be interested. I'd be like intrigued by maybe we trade back and get this guy. Uh, but since we don't have a chance to pick him, I'm not really gonna worry about it. Do you know what scares me about him, Kevin? How how he looks in a fucking tank top, dude. That guy's shredded. Yeah, he looks like a. He looks like <laughs> no way is he on oh. drugs. Here's, he looks like a defensive end, and he tests like Martavis Bryant. So how high would you draft Martavis Bryant? He's so shredded. Like, he is the most jacked person. Look, yeah. I'm just showing a picture of him to Eric right now. Eric, what do you think? Oh, I've seen him. I've, there's that picture of him with the other draft, uh, draft his, guys. His abs are, like, giant. ridiculous. All right, whatever. Um, I'll say this. He... <laughs> For everything this is the content st- people tune in for, guys, is me <laughs> talking about DK Metcalf's abs. Yeah, this is why we want a webcam, everyone. Uh, <laughs> this is it's kind of like the scouting report you guys give, and with his combine numbers, he's a guy who sounds like he would be a middle, second-round guy because of his combine and because of people freaking out about him. He will jump to the top 17. I'm just saying if Al Davis was still alive and had the number one pick, we know who's it picking. It sounds fair. This this is a classic where, Raiders where's, pick. Uh, where are the Pittsburgh Steelers picking? Sorry, go ahead, Nathan. The the rain. Forty minutes of this. By the way, I really appreciated your nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bill on right. Twitter. I think personally, there is a shot that every other wide receiver will be available when we pick. I agree. And do you want to talk about the one that Let's both talk about of us love? Yeah, the two. There's two real good ones that. Um, there's several that are going to get higher consideration. There's two that Nathan and I agree 100% on right. that let's make us very do, excited. Let's do Paris. Let's do, well, actually, Kevin, I think there's another guy who's going to get drafted in the first round. I agree. Uh, that Or close to the first round that I'm not as crazy about. Let's do Paris Campbell. All right. All right. Paris Campbell played for Ohio State. Um, we get I get to watch, I got to watch a lot of Ohio State tape this week, which made me happy because I like the way their offense runs. They, They're fun to watch. The interesting thing about their offense, too, is I think for some reason – in my head, I had this idea that Dwayne Haskins was like a running co- runner or no. ran, but he doesn't. He's just a pocket passer. He reminds me of like Byron Leftwich with a better windup, like a like you mean just Byron a- Lef- Leftwich with a release time that's NFL. <laughs> yeah, like he can. He just sits in the pocket, makes good throws. He's pretty big, um, distributes well. Yeah, just gets the ball around. Um, Paris Campbell. Things I like about him. He like really is good at creating space around. Like he just he gets space from guys, and then he he like. Well, we worked out of the slot a lot, so that's one thing that makes it hard for me to evaluate him from a CS perspective because I don't know what he'll be, but he seems like he has all the skills that would make him be fine on the outside as well. Um, just that he has tons of athletic ability. He's really good at finding holes and zones. Um, yeah, I think Paris Campbell will be awesome, and he's a late first-round or early second-round prospect in my mind. Um, Kevin, what about what about you? Uh, yeah, with the four three one forty, he moved himself into the top into like the uh, somewhere between like after pick twenty, 
Yeah, he, I think, could, he could go sometime after pick 20. You're right. After, yeah. Before that 40 time, he was probably like a late second round pick. But he, yep. he definitely made the leap when he did that. He really showed. Uh, he actually uh, jumped 40 in the vert, so he literally made the leap. <laughs> um, he tested really well. He showed all the athletic ability that you saw. Um, his People are going to question his route running because of what he was asked to do. But what you saw was the ability to make it happen. Uh, I'm with you, Nathan. I think that he's a really good player. He's one of two players that remind me a lot of Golden Tate, where they're really dangerous with the ball in their hands, but they're going to have to work on their route running in the NFL. Do you know one other thing about Paris Campbell that I think would be good? One, Doug teaching him routes. That's going to be good. But the, the, yes. the second thing is is Paris Campbell, like he finds space in areas, which is really good with Russell Wilson because Russ extends the play and finds open guys. And Paris Campbell's really good at like, finding space in, in where there's nobody there and just sitting down in it and being like, hey, I'm open. Throw me the ball now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm ready. So, that, and that's like a smart NFL player. That's it's like a smart player thing. He's just, he's he's smart even though his route tree's limited. But they, you're right. Ohio State didn't ask him to do anything extra complex. That's very Urban Meyer. Yes. Ur- Urban Meyer doesn't want to like overly, comp- make things overly complex. He's just going to beat you with kind the, of in the Percy Harvin role. Beat you with the athletes. Mm-hmm. And he's got good size, too. He's six foot, a little over 200 pounds. He's not huge, but he's not a small dude. He's got long arms. He can battle a corner for a ball. All right. Um, let's do the other guy we like. Ready? Oh, Hollywood yes. Brown. Okay. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Do you want me to make a, do you want me to make, do you want me to plant my flag big here, Kevin? Sounds delicious. You want, me do to, you want me to do it? Marquise Brown. If you draft Marquise Brown, you are drafting the next Tyreek Hill. That's how strongly I feel about Marquise Brown. Um, he's, he has very evident, uh, physical talents on the field, on the football field, on the tape. You just watch him and he's so fast and his releases are just insane. Like the way he releases from, even when they try to press him, um, he has great like movement. I, I don't know. He just creates tons of separation and I don't know. He's really, it's really fun, uh, tape to watch. And he, I think he'll fall because of the injury. And that's great if you're a Seahawks fan and you want us to draft the wide receiver because this guy could be available top of the second round when he should really honestly shouldn't be. Um, all right. Well, what did your evaluation bring out for you? Kevin? Uh, so both of us have him as our number one wide receiver on our board. Uh, I want to make that very clear because from there, it's a matter of, I think he's the best deep ball target in this draft period. If I had a nickel for every time he got loose behind somebody, I would have 24 nickels, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, He is really good at, like, if you give him a cushion, he eats up the cushion fast, and he'll put a double move on you right about the time you have to turn around. The full speed movement, like the full speed cutting or double moving, is like... That's really, what reminds me of Tyree Kill when you really say it. It's really insane. Like that, and it is what we're, yeah, you're right. That's like the Tyree Kill thing. Is like he's at full speed, and all of a sudden he's moving in another direction, and you're like, wait, I can't keep up with that. That's yeah, <laughs> that's an impossible thing for a person to do. And you're like, well, not if you're Marquise Hollywood Brown. The other thing that's a little different than Tyree Kill, and it actually makes me think of Tyler Lockett. Maybe it's just because I watch more Tyler Lockett than Tyree Kill, but he never looks like he's moving as fast as he is. He just moves past people. It's he's really, really hard to keep up with. And he runs good routes. Um, he doesn't drop a lot of passes considering how deep down the field he is. He was used a lot. People are gonna knock him because of his size. Right. No. And he's five nine, he weighed in at one sixty six, he probably weighed around one seventy five when he was playing. This dude was over seventeen yards per target 
Um, and one of my favorite things I like to say, and I've said it for years, is that if the only bad thing you can say about a prospect is he's small, not good enough. Doesn't, yep. th- that doesn't matter. He's been small his whole life, and he's still successful. Like, he never wasn't small. And so, it's not like he has a history of being hurt all the time. He just got hurt his senior year. Just one time. Yeah, it's a Liz Frank injury. It's, it's, it is something you should be worried about. I think they're, they're, that's a legitimate concern. But he's, he's moving again. He should be ready to start the season or very close to ready. Um, yeah, I'm into it. I'm all, I'm all in on Hollywood Brown. I'm buying all the Hollywood Brown stock. Kevin's racing me to the, to the stock exchange, though, I think. That's a fact. That's, uh, the two of us, uh, are, we, the two of us planted our flag early. Um, I am proposing a truce and we share the territory. Okay. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, the other borderline first really, round. Really quick, oh, I want to talk about something because people are going to go, another guy who's under six foot and quick and runs routes. Um, very, he's very different than than uh, Doug, at least. But what I want to talk about here is people have this really popular theory around building a wide receiver core. You want to have, you know, you want to have all the clubs in your golf bag. You want to have a basketball team. You want they have all these different ways of saying that you want to have guys with a variety of different skills. You know what? Villanova won two championships in three years by having a bunch of quick guys who shoot threes. That's all they did. And having a wide receiver core where you never know where anyone's going to line up because all of them can line up in the slot or in either outside position and all of them can run good routes and all of them can beat you with speed is equally effective because that's also a pain in the butt to cover. The fact of the matter is you need a wide receiver core that gets open. That's the only thing that matters in the NFL. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you. No, uh, no disagreement. So boxing there a little bit. So, uh, (laughs) let's, um, Let's go to the other first round prospect, Hakeem, Hakeem Butler. Um, I think we had differing. I, I, okay, Hakeem Butler, go you go first, Kevin. All right, so Hakeem Butler is a guy six, who six foot six. Um, yeah, he's he's six five, six six in there, uh, about two hundred twenty five pounds. Dude has all the size in the world. He tested well at the combine, ran sub four five, which is good for his uh, size. Um, he has a lot of raw physical ability, and he has a lot of downfield receiving production that tells you what his skill set is and what he's capable of in the NFL. Yep. Um, he also has a lot of drops. Yeah, I have trouble getting over that, I think. I think that's my problem here is that I just had trouble getting over the fact that he dropped a lot of catchable balls. And there are things that tell you that he may not be quite as effective in the NFL. And why did he play so much slot at Iowa State? Like, you don't play... I don't know, that weirded me out, too. Because he's 6'5", and he has 35-inch arms, so if you want to put him on the inside, uh, colleges... Like, okay, do you want to put the linebacker on the guy who runs four four eight, or do you want to put your slot corner who's probably a foot shorter than him? Yeah. Like, it's a, he was a matchup problem. It was the same reason why Lil' Jordan Humphrey played on the inside. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that he's kind of a little bit of a project. I think he's a project, which is why I'm totally uncomfortable with him being like a, a like a late, like an early round two guy. Like that's that's uncomfortable to me. Um, I'm less comfortable with. Or I'm I'm as uncomfortable with him as I am with DK Metcalf. Um, I just see the path to success for uh, for Butler better. Can I felt like Butler and ha- Nikhil Harry were really close together on most draft boards prior to the combine. And Nikhil Harry kind of fell off. What happened at his combine that kind of uh, uh, dropped dropped off for for him? Uh, he ran sub four five. He ran a four five three. 
Um, and he's a couple inches shorter. He also just... Some of his numbers were more explosive than others. Like, I, I don't think it's necessarily that Nikhil Harry did poorly at the Combine. I think it's more like there was this big cluster of receivers. And I'm going to put another guy right in there. That's Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri. Um, he's another guy who's like 6'2", uh, long-armed. Everybody else tested like freaks at the Combine. And Nikhil Harry tested well. Yeah. I don't think he took a step backwards. I think it's just other people took a step forwards. You know, I got Nikhil Harry, and I know that he played not that many NFL-ready cornerbacks in his career, but he he just, like, mosses people. Like, he just jumps over dudes and takes the ball from them and stuff. And I, I don't know, stuff like that, I like when guys can do stuff. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, and that's he played well. He played the deep ball well, too, which is something that I think we want to consider if we go to pick up a wide receiver. He's just going to go higher than I'd want to pay for his skill set. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into the guys in the the middle of the draft. That... Well, wait, I think there's another guy that's going to go just as high. Oh, really? Who? Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. Okay, I watched he's going to be a round two, maybe a round three guy. Um, Debo Samuel reminds me a lot of uh, Paris Campbell. He's not quite as fast, um, but he, he is more physical. I, I think that I like Debo Samuel because he's really refined. Like he can do everything. Um, run all the routes, but he's pretty old. 23 is pretty old to be coming in the NFL, and I think that's going to hurt his value enough that, you know, he'll be a late second rounder. And if he's a like if he's a late second rounder, if he drops into the third, that's going to be a steal for somebody because he's going to be really effective immediately. Uh, I like his game a lot. Yeah, he can make big plays too. Um, yeah, and he's like, when he, if he gets the ball in space, he can screw the defense's day right up. Is his age keeping him out of the first round? I or think just it's other factor. players. It's definitely part of it because, like, I think a part of DK Metcalf's appeal is he's so young. Like DK Metcalf has like projectables coming going crazy because he's a redshirt sophomore and he was born in 1997. You know, he's like he's very young. How old he won't be? He won't be twenty. He won't be. He won't be twenty two until like the end. He's he's December birthday too. He won't well, be twenty two until like the end of the year. It's funny because in today's NFL, I get that teams like the younger player. But teams don't usually hold on outside of quarterbacks to their players for more than, say, six I, years. I don't want the Seahawks to draft another really young player because last time we did that, um, it didn't work out so good. Cough, ATV accident, cough. So <laughs> that was too soon. Um, well, that guy got an interview with the with the Cowboys. So. Yep, that happened. How do you feel about that, Eric? Wait, sidebar. <sighs> Eric. I honestly. Your, your, I, boy, your boy, Malik <laughs> McDowell, got an interview to play for another NFL team. I really want to know why we cut him. Because he's uh, never going to play another NFL game. His medicals must be horrible. Okay, then why did he get an interview? Because another team because wanted to see for themselves. Care. Then like, this is this is all possible, but if he plays another down, I there's the whole strip club. Have you seen club. the players on that roster? Clearly <laughs> being brain damaged does not affect your ability to play for the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I'm, I feel more for Malik McDowell than I do a loss to the Seahawks. I feel really bad for that kid. Agreed. That's it. Continue. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's look. So guys, who are going to be going like more like round three or four? Is what yeah. you're saying? We gotta we gotta go quick. So let's give them a couple profiles of guys that we think the Seahawks could target towards the middle of the draft. All right. I want to talk about two guys. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm going to go with the faster guys. Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State. Uh, he ran a four three five forty. Um, he his numbers look really similar to Debo Samuel's numbers and he was asked to play more of an outside receiver position because he was in the same offense as Paris Campbell and Paris Campbell did what Debo Samuel does. Um, I think that Terry McLaurin, 
uh, has all the physical projectables that you want from a really athletic outside receiver. Um, he's fast, but also he was productive in college. Like they had a lot of people he needed to give touches to, but he had a really high catch percentage, a really low drop rate, and he was clearly a downfield threat. He got some decent yards after the catch, but he averaged 20 yards per target. So this is a guy who wasn't targeted very often and made the most when the ball came his way. All right. My mid-round guy is a guy who's not fast, but has great... This is You'll notice a pattern of guys I like. Not fast, but runs good routes, has great body control, and really makes great contested catches. And that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. Um, he'll probably go in the third or fourth round. He did not test super great at the Combine. He has he, His top-end speed is limited, but I think that, you know... If you can do this guy will be an effective NFL player because he has a specific skill, which is he tracks the ball really well. When the ball's in the air, he's really good at figuring out how he's gonna get get the ball and you know, use his body control to either block the guy out or jump over a guy or whatever he needs to do to get the ball. And I, I really like I really like Arcego Whiteside. I think he's he's good. Plus, Scott Airport say he's a good stock blocker, Kevin. So, you know, that's always good. <laughs> Give me the <laughs> stock blocking the, so my favorite wide receiver skill the other skill the other thing and you'll notice the theme with mine i really like the idea of having a very similar skill set across the offense and so andy elisabella out of umass is a guy who might get overlooked because he's only about five nine five ten he doesn't have that elite size that they want and he played for a smaller school but if you look in the senior bowl he played really well against good cornerback competition. Um, he handled his business in one-on-one drills. He ran a 4-3-1-40. His explosiveness numbers were really good. His three-cone and his shuttle were very, very good, which backs up what you see on tape. This guy gets in and out of his routes really, really well. He was extremely productive in college. He was like UMass's Jerry Rice because he was the talented guy to throw the ball to. And he didn't drop the ball. His catch rate was really good. His yards after catch, he dominated lesser competition, which is all you can really ask. And when they put him against better competition, they weren't able to shut him down despite the size issue. Yeah, coming into the the draft process, the thing you wanted to see from Isabella was like, would his the speed you see on tape against subpar opponents would it translate to the tests that they do at the combine? And they did. And I think the difference between Isabella and like the average um, like small slot guy that we see coming out is that he's actually really fast. Um, and whereas, also, he whereas didn't play to, like, slot very much. Guys that, but he's gonna. Uh, you gotta bet that he's gonna play there in the NFL, right? Uh, I think he's an outside receiver, man. All right, I. I I'll, mean, he could play in the slot, I but I think he's an outside receiver. I would. I would be surprised. So I, is Hollywood Brown an outside receiver or a slot receiver then? No, but I think that that's. But I saw him play outside in college against, like, much better competition. I don't know. I just... Don't you think Andy Isabella's, like, the next better version of Julian Edelman? Like, the... <laughs> but, like, actually fast. Because that's the thing about the difference between him and those kind of guys is, like, Julian Edelman's slow. He's actually, like, pretty slow. And Isabella, what I think makes him, like, potentially special is that he's going to bring a... And I guess Edelman does play outside some, too. But, like, he's just going to bring speed to a, a, th- a, a kind of skill set that most guys don't. He's like the 4-8 skill set with the 4-4 four, four speed. Does yes, that make sense? But you could put him in the slot, and he'd be really good in the slot. But it's sort of like what we do with Lockett. Flip him in, flip him out, doesn't matter, he gets open. Uh, Tyree Kill, flip him in, flip him out, doesn't matter, gets open. Speed plays. I'm going to close all these tabs, because I think there's only one more guy I need to talk about, Kevin. You know that's my boy. Everyone knows. Podcast listeners out there. 
Tweet at me, Lil Jordan Humphrey. Let's do it. Seventh round pick. You guys are friends. You can call him LJ now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Lil, Lil Jordan Humphrey is my favorite future Seahawk. If he doesn't come to the Seahawks, I will cry. Um, and Eric will make fun of me. So, you know, I just think... I'll be partially laughing at that first name. You just want to get him the ball in space, screens, underneath things, because Lil Jordan will run people over. He will uh, and he'll moss people on contested catches. He's the man. Uh, give me Lil Jordan or give me death. That's, that's my... Uh, that's my uh, motto. Kevin, uh, he got one is, more guy you want to get in, or do you want to talk about Lil I Jordan? I want to talk about LJ, and then I'll talk about one other guy. Um, the big thing about Lil Jordan Humphrey is everyone's going to make a big deal about his 4.75 40-yard dash time, and I want to talk about the fact that he ran uh, 7.09 and a 4.29 on his three-cone and shuttle. Uh, and what that means is it his straight-line speed isn't good, and that's not why you're paying him. His ability to get in and out of his routes is uh, on par with any of the other outside receivers in this draft, and also just running running dudes over. If you get him the ball in space, he'll run that for that first guy's not going to get an easy tackle. That's little Jordan ain't giving out no freebies. That's a fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my that's my opinion on that. All right, Kevin. All right, so let me give you a guy who's going to go later, and there's a bunch of guys I want to talk about, but this is a guy I think could go in like the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, who I think is getting way overlooked. All right. Uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. out of Nebraska. It's about six foot, 200 pounds, has solid length. He ran just a little over 4.5 in the 40. His explosiveness was really good. His numbers at the combine were better, were like, were better than Nikhil Harry's. And he's not getting comped the same way Nikhil Harry is because yeah. um, he's about two inches shorter. He was very productive in college, even against good teams. And this was without really good throwing quarterbacks playing with him. He could play inside and outside. He doesn't drop the ball. He catches everything. Notice how I like that. That's the thing. I really like wide receivers that catch the ball. And run because good. wide receivers and that drop are frustrating. One thing I notice is you like guys that run good routes. Like yep. like, a, like a wide route. Because Stanley Morgan runs like a, the whole route tree. Exactly. He's not, he's not like a... Like I run three routes and I run them really good. He like runs the whole route tree and he runs it all really good and i think that's a skill that our team does well with that's why doug baldwin's thrived for years um, i want to go with an odd guy an oddball guy kevin that you know a lot about that i think people might hear about he's he's pretty big uh, jalen hurd so what's right. what's jalen hurd's uh story and like why might his uh why might he be a good late round target for the Seahawks? so jalen hurd is huge as a human he's uh six five about 225 pounds. Uh, he's probably going to go pretty late. He was a wide receiver for Baylor. And Baylor's not the same Baylor you think of when you think of RG3 anymore. Uh, there was, for a variety of reasons um, that I don't want to get into on this podcast, there was a turnover in the coaching staff, and they brought in a very different style of offense um, that does translate better to the pros. This isn't like your run two different routes uh, who's the guy who washed out with uh, the Browns that came out of Baylor? He was a higher round pick. I can't think of his name. But there were a few guys who came out of that Baylor offense that washed out because they could never run routes. This isn't that offense anymore. Uh, he was the running back in front of Alvin Kamara. Corey, you're, talking about Corey, you're talking about Corey Coleman. Yeah, I'm 100% sure. Yep, you're, you're right. Uh Jalen Hurd was the running back on the roster in front of Alvin Kamara at Tennessee. And then he transferred when there was a bunch of drama there. And he got injured and transferred. Oh, so you're saying the drama follows him. 
Uh, I'm out. No, I'm opposite. I'm just kidding. Uh, the drama follows Tennessee. He's Honestly. trying to run from the drama. <laughs> um, that's it. And they converted him from running back to wide receiver. So he's pretty raw in his uh, growth as a wide receiver, but he shows a lot of ability. Um, he's one of the more physically talented wide receivers in the entire draft. He's a guy, like, if you want to talk about picking somebody who's projectable, in the sixth or seventh round, taking a flyer on a guy who it could be like Cordero Patterson or it could be something better. And coming out, of high, cool school, with that. Coming out of high school, he's a four-star recruit. Like, this guy was legit, you know. Yeah, and he's shown all the athleticism in the world. He's just, he was used in a really weird way at Tennessee under uh, Butch Jones's offense. And then he went to Baylor and everyone forgot he existed. All right, Eric, bringing it back to you. Mm-hmm. You've heard the draft potential. You know what's out there in free agency, nothing. So what <laughs> What do you want the Seahawks to do? Do you, do you think the Seahawks need to address wide receiver or is it a pretty low priority for you? Uh we do need to uh, address wide receiver. It is not a high draft priority in the sense of the rounds. As of right now, we have four picks. I see that changing. I hope that changes. If we can get a, a wide receiver in the fifth or a super value receiver in like the third, keep in mind we've kind of gained more picks, then I'll be okay with it. I want someone who will make an impact. I want multiple draft picks that will impact our team in a positive way this year. If that means Lil Jordan becomes our third best receiver, with the promise of becoming the second or first best in a year, I'm totally down with that pick. So what you're saying is if we're going to spend a two or a three, you want it to be like a Tyler Lockett situation where when you when we draft them, you want like either Nathan or me to jump into the chat and go, <laughs> holy crap, I thought that guy would be picked 25 picks ago. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. We've talked about this before. We want impact draft picks that we don't have to wait around for. And the Seahawks drafts over the years have been hit and miss. I mean, we've got some... Game-changing, iconic players, but we've also got Amara Darbo. So and I, missing on a pick like that... And Kevin Norwood. and Wide receiver is the one we missed on the most. Well, and I, I don't know if the Kevin Norwood class was like this really great, iconic class, but we're at a point in Pete Carroll's career and the career of the team and the age where we can't really afford misses right now. Well, but like, who is the dude out of Georgia that we cut that the Chiefs signed? He was another like fourth-round pick. We have a pretty decent track record of drafting wide receivers in the fourth or fifth round that never do a damn thing for us. Hey, it could I, be our scheme. I have a question for you, Kevin. Is just like Demarius Thomas NFL career over? I don't know. I don't know why it would be. He, I mean, I know he's got this like vehicular auto accident thing going on, but the Seahawks have shown a willingness to sign players who might go to prison. <laughs> uh, why the have, NFL? Why not one more? We'd have to give up a comp pick for him. No, we would not. He was released by the by the Texans. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh, I thought that his deal ran out at the end of this year. Mm-mm. No, they got they released him after all this. Oh, weird stuff. Well, stuff. I mean, he's he's shown his speed when he was younger, and he showed his speed on that traffic infraction. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You're welcome. You're well, welcome. I just want Georgia Tech Georgia Tech players to make my uh, my friend uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my friend David, who likes Georgia Tech, like my like my team. Um, there's other guys that are out there, uh, free agents: Crabtree, uh, Garcon. Um, we can't get Crabtree. It's like, it's just like a lot of guys who are kind of washed, to be honest with you. I feel like Crabtree has some some good games, some better games in his career, but could roll could roll Des so Bryant's corpse into here. Ugh, is isn't he going to die in New Orleans? He's still, he's still trying. He's uh, going to sign with New Orleans and get hurt again. 
That's his plan. We can make fun of Dallas all con- we want, but I, that was one. I had a contract decision. in hands with the Browns. You know, the other thing is Demarius Thomas okay. uh, had a torn Achilles, and we know that's an ugly injury you're going to go back from too. And right. it was late in the year. Let's hit the money zone. Uh, to uh, to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are a million and one ways to do so. But the best way is head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for a little as $1.24 a month, support the Seahawks Nest podcast. Uh, during the regular season, you get all our gambling picks. Uh, last year, we actually crushed pretty hard um, on our, our picks. Uh, thanks to Forrest, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuck Attila, Karen, Barrett, Mike, David, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Nick. You guys are helping us out. Quite a bit, and uh, it really makes me ha- my heart happy. Uh, we got our 50th iTunes review. Next goal is uh, 69, so 19 away. If you uh, love the Seahawks Nest podcast, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review or thumbs up or like on wherever you find the Seahawks Nest podcast. Helps people find the show and helps make me happy. All right. What few joys I have in my life, Kevin. Make uh, you happy, and you're still the one. So, what we decided to do today, <laughs> um, next week, not this Friday, but the following Friday, Dumbo is coming to a theater near you, and the director of Dumbo is one, the only Tim Burton. So, can we, I, we, I, thought, wait, wait. we thought it'd be a great idea to make everyone hate us by trashing all of Tim Burton's movies. Uh, so, here we go. Wait, that's the thing I want to say. This is my favorite eliminator we've done, because none of us really like Tim Burton very much. Nope. And so, so right. this is like the least enthusiastic eliminator. Oh, you're going to hear some funny things from me. I got some daggers for this one. All right. With 19 movies I put on the list, this is in chronological order. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Frank and Weenie the Movie, not the short, Dark Shadows, Alice in Wonderland, Sweeney Todd, The, uh, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, The Corpse Bride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Big Fish, Planet of the Apes, Sleepy Hollow, Mars Attacks. James and the Giant Peach, Ed Wood, Nightmare Before Christmas, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, Batman, Beetlejuice, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. All right, the randomness meter has determined that Eric will eliminate first Eric. Running clockwise for him to Kevin, then to me. Eric, who will you be eliminating first? Alice in Wonderland. Has anyone attempted to watch those pieces of trash? Um, yeah. uh, I think yeah. that I thought they were awful, to quote uh, my sister-in-law. Oh, yeah, we saw that. I don't really get it. It's kind of weird. By the way, um, is there anyone on Earth with a lower approval rating than Johnny Depp right now? Uh, Jerry Rice? It's it's bad. <laughs> People do not like Johnny Depp right now. Kevin, your second elimination after the uh, the, the axing of Alice. Oh, Off with is... her head. <laughs> Boom. Um, like you nailed it. Uh, I'm going to go with... There's so uh, many bad choices, Kevin. <laughs> it's trouble. It's really hard. Um... What's the name of the, Is it Dark Shadows? Was that the name of that one? Dark Shadows, yeah. Yeah, Dark Shadows was a uh, movie remake of a 1980s vampire drama. Vampire show. soap opera. Vampire soap opera TV show. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, also stars Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, to I would say Johnny Depp was mailing it in, but who can tell anymore? Um, he's a great character. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to I got to say... I don't like Johnny Depp, but I did enjoy scenes from this movie. I like Johnny Depp in certain things that all occurred more than fifteen Kevin, years ago. Yeah, Kevin said Crybaby was his last good role. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna axe. I'm only gonna axe movies I've seen, so I'm gonna axe Ed Wood. I did not enjoy it. Oh. Uh, what did you want that to survive, Eric? Yeah, that's like there's like a few of these movies that are like regarded as really great films, and that's near the top. Okay, here's my thing about Ed Wood. Okay, is that like, 
So, hey, wait, who's in this movie, Nathan? Eat Johnny Depp. <laughs> okay, so, like, I like the idea of, like, let's make an Ed Wood biopic, and, like, it's cool, like, it's an interesting, like, his movies are notoriously horrible, right? Like, they're, like, just, like, these B-grade science fiction films, um, and I, and let me another say another thing is I've probably only seen two-thirds of the movies that are left, but um, I just, it's not, it's a comedy, but I didn't think it was that funny, and it's, I don't. I don't know. It's just something about it just didn't hit for me. Martin Lando on that movie didn't do it for you? No. Very well. As Bella Lugosi, right? Yeah. I mean, that is yep. that is probably the best part. <laughs> um, you know what? You talked me into it, Eric. I've never done this before. I'm gonna I'm gonna control Z that. I'm gonna get rid of. Yeah. I'm gonna get rid of another movie that people like. Mars, Mars Attacks. Overrated. There you go. Do you think I'm I'm gonna bring enough ire on myself doing this? <laughs> uh, Mars Attacks. Uh, why do people like this movie so much? Can someone? Can you guys explain to me what? I, I can't. <laughs> it was cheeky for its. I don't know. I didn't like it either. Yeah, this movie's it like had everybody in it, it. Like they got Jack Nicholson in this movie. Here's in like a parody role. It just I don't it's get it's it. like it's like um you know what it's like it's like he tried to make an Ed Wood movie. <laughs> like it's like it's like um Tim Burton made an Ed Wood movie with like a bunch of really good actors in it and it was like kind of like winking at the audience and anyone who knows me knows i hate that shit when like the director is winking too much at the audience yeah, that's the thing is he's over winking it's like his eyes stuck well he said it was a satire of hollywood and like you nathan if someone said it's a satire of hollywood i'm like screw it i don't care get he, it out he's here. like fuck the mouse <laughs> <laughs> all right uh kevin oh. uh excuse me it'd be Ur- eric all right i'm gonna eliminate edwin no i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, I'm going to eliminate Frankenweenie because it's the movie, not the short. This is, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Tim Burton made a short film called Frankenweenie. He sold it to Disney. Disney was like, this is kind of weird. We're going to put it as the beginning of the DVD extra. And I think it was on some video cassettes of Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, it's kind of like this endearing little short film. It's charming and it weird. Is, it is very charming and weird. And he decided, like, how do I make this really long and make a bunch of money off yeah, it? Stop motion, full length, 90-minute movie. You're done. Up. You're done, Frank. There was not 90 minutes worth of film in that. That's people, a fact. People like it. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Good for those people. Gross. Rachel Wagner says this movie has so much heart. Sure. Uh, it does. It's inside the dog and they show it to you. Uh, Kevin. I am going to eliminate... I'm stuck between two, but I'm going to eliminate Planet of the Apes. Uh, this movie's been done better twice now. You going to eliminate my movie, bro? Bro, <laughs> I'm in this movie. You know what? You've been better in many things, say, like The say, Happening. No, say hello to your mother for me, okay? I'm in I'm in that <laughs> fucking movie, and I'm fucking great in that movie, okay? You going to make fun of plants now? You gonna, What, are you going to talk shit about plants? The plants are attacking back, bro. That movie was scary. The Happening was scary. I played a math teacher. Planet of the Apes is scary too, man. That's those, actually those apes were coming for me. But really, we got to know we're all apes. You know, think about it. Nathan, okay. Nathan is getting better at his Marky Mark impression <laughs> as the years go on. But I think it's because he secretly loves Marky Mark. I, if I hated Mark Wahlberg, as, it'd be as a, lot a teacher, to do. Nathan's like, oh, the happening. If only that would really happen. <laughs> if only right. that would really happening. Um, let's go with this Sleepy Hollow movie. Uh, when we first started this podcast i said sleepy hollow that was a good tv show but that's not the tv show it's the movie with john with johnny depp and um no i'm not a not a huge fan it, it, there's like it's like a cut rate slasher that that for some reason tim burton's directing eric should i go with a movie that i really wanted to love or should i go with a movie i just really don't like go ahead. i don't like <sighs> let's go sweeney todd okay um it's a musical so that is like you better be really good for me to like you it had uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in it, 
which I was like, oh, this might be really good. But it also had, uh, what's his name? Can't remember. Johnny Depp in a role where he's singing, he can't sing. I'm out on this movie. And we all are indicated by the silence. Go ahead, it Kevin. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. That was my review of that movie. What was, um, what was better, the singing in that or the singing in Les Mis? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, um, you're up now. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, make your pick. All right, fine. Words. I'm eliminating Charlie and Chocolate Factory now. I hated this movie. Correct, correct placement. I think. I think that movie is like super average, but I respect your your take on it. Like, I would say it's average, and I also hated it. It's, um, de- it's not for you. <laughs> yes, I didn't like Johnny Depp playing Michael Jackson playing uh, Willy Wonka. That whole vibe didn't work for me. I mean, it's fine that they tried to do something different than the original, because if he tried to be Gene Wilder, it would have sucked even more. But it was a really odd vibe, and everything about the Oompa Loompas being a boy band was the worst. All right, you ready for this, guys? Sure. Bring it on. Batman 1989. Bye. See you later. No! How are you uh, eliminating it before Returns? I think Returns he is better. loves Returns. I think oh, Returns is geez. better. I'm that guy. Returns is not um, better, and you're wrong. This wait, should be in the top three. Whatever Jack Nicholson is, is doing. Is Big Eyes still on there? Big guys did not make the list, but oh, okay. Miss Peregrine, I which I don't know if anyone... I have. Okay. It's fine. Uh, okay, so Batman 1989, I do not like what Jack Nicholson is doing in that movie. He's playing Jack Nicholson, um, painted as the face as the Joker. That's and a I'm fact. Not but you never me. rub another man's rhubarb, and that's a great line, and he's got a bunch <laughs> what of... What about them. when he's spray-painting all the pictures and playing Prince? Is that your favorite part, Eric? Of course, it's Prince... <laughs> And there's a lot. I know of, you ate that. You know that. You know the film uh, where they say like errors in film. Twenty of them of the top 100 are in that scene. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> it's, it's like he paints it and then he walks by and it's not painted. Yeah. Yeah, that movie. Uh, it's, it's a it's, mess. It's fine. You know what would be really cool if they would have kept uh, Lando as as Two Face, but you know they just couldn't follow through because they're a bunch of cowards. They uh, also could have cast Johnny fault. Depp as the Joker. Oh God, please no. <laughs> If that if that was, I would have eliminated it. Burton's like, why didn't I think of that, Eric? Um, okay, I'm gonna. I really need someone to eliminate Miss Peregrine's because I haven't seen it, so I feel like I shouldn't. No, do it. Get rid of it. You're fine. Yeah. Okay, fine. I've seen it. about the right spot. I've I have no idea why this is on. The I've list. also seen it. I just want to get all the hate mail for this okay, one. Okay, get it out. Get no, it no, out. No, I'm just saying that that's why I picked Batman. Batman. Go. Oh, all right, I'm gonna say James and the Giant Peach. Oh, I like I, that movie a lot. I love that book, and I felt like the movie was just. Tim Burton's version of a book I loved, which is not anything I loved. Okay, like, I can agree with that. It it wasn't it wasn't the book, and I know that's a classic argument, but I feel like Tim Burton put his stamp on it, and I was like, dude, get your smell yeah, off my he, movie. Yeah, he he produced it and like kind of oversaw it. It was kind of a sketchy edition because Henry Selleck actually directed it. Um, I just wanted to make an. I was hoping that it would win, so a non-Tim Burton movie would win. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like how I tried to do that? Um, all right, Kevin. What's left? Uh, Miss Peregrine's Corpse Bride, Big Fish, That's Edward, a controversial choice. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. All right, we'll be eliminating um, Batman oh. Returns. Okay. Uh, we're into the part where these are actually movies that I would voluntarily watch. And that feels about the time to eliminate a movie that I probably wouldn't voluntarily watch very much. Yeah, I've got... Batman Returns, I enjoy it, but it's like kind of a guilty pleasure more yes. than a pleasure pleasure. It's fine. Uh, and so, um, yeah. 
Because uh, as the biggest Batman fan here, how dare both of you? However, that scene, you know, she's she's got like a, a neon sign in her house, and her apartment says "Hello there" for no reason. And then when she turns into Catwoman, it says "Hell here." Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Also, in the swear jar, I don't care. Also, when the uh, uh, when that's the, the meaning of contrived. When the penguins carry his corpse off, that part's really fuck, <laughs> you, that part's really we weird. Always talk about this movie, and, and Nathan will be like, "I swear that's a better movie." And then Kevin will just be quiet, and he'll be like, "That scene with the penguins." Carry the penguin's body every I single love time. That. I love that. That's great. It's like Aquaman. He can, but he can only talk to penguins. <laughs> okay, I'm elim- now I'm gonna eliminate Edward. Uh, same reasoning as before, but this seems like a better spot for it. Uh, Eric, uh, Miss Peregrine's is still yep. on here. Get out. Okay. This seems like the right spot. Appropri- it is highly watchable. It's appropriately charming, like kid for movie for twelve year olds. Yep. Um, so if that's how you think of it, it's fine. But It's also less Tim Burton-y than other Tim Burton movies, which made it more palatable. Um, yeah. All I right. will give it a shot after I've eliminated it. Kevin. Uh, big Fish. Oh, man, I wanted Big Fish to win. I kind of did, too. Kevin, explain yourself, please. Uh, Reveal yourself. I don't like it more than the other movies left. Uh, I like the Pearl Jam soundtrack. Uh, I think that there's something like really heartwarming about this movie, but it's way too long. It's uh, That's also... a big part of it. And uh, <laughs> the, the parts where it... Okay, so when's the last time you guys watched this movie? It's not Man, super long ago. ago, but it's super long. That's all I remember. Yeah. Like, uh, see, this, this movie's like driving home. There are parts of it that you don't remember because it's so boring and monotonous that there's like 45 minute chunks of this movie where you're like, well, you're watching it, you're like, oh yeah, this is a part of this movie and it lasts forever. Well, it's a movie about storytelling. I, so what you're telling me is sometimes the storytelling takes too long to get to the good parts. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you two reasons this movie rules though. You ready? Okay. Ewan McGregor, sure. super, super cool yeah. and sexy and Billy Crudup. <laughs> I will watch Billy Crudup do literally anything. I didn't know you were such a Billy Crudup fan. Oh, I'm a, sta- I'm a Billy Crudup stan, dude. He's g- He's great. Do you like him? Uh, he was great in Watchmen. What about Not Sp- a joke. What about Spot Spotlight? Yes, um, he's yeah, so Spotlight. good in that movie. Uh, he's just so good in everything he's in. If I'm being like super real about it, yeah. Um, all right. Um, also, that movie, by the way, Big Fish, very untimber and like. It's, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Bye bye. Knew it. Uh, uh, it's a movie that other people like, so I didn't feel proper eliminating it too early. But uh, I want the hate mail. So come at me. Nightmare Before Christmas is is completely overrated. I feel like this is a perfectly acceptable place to eliminate it. Super overblown. It made the top five, which it should have, and um, it's making the top five basically because Danny Elfman is better than uh, Tim Burton. I think that all and of, every, just, every one of these movies has Danny Elfman doing something. All right, he did the catering on the movie. I'm gonna E Rock. What you're gonna eliminate? Uh, Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride. This was a movie I really wanted to like. I just found it really boring. I think the trailer was like a really great short film, and that's where it should have stayed. All right, Kevin. Uh, I enjoyed Corpse Bride, but I do agree it's about the plot to eliminate it. It's a fine, it's a fine movie. Um, so what we have: Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, and Beauty's Big Adventure. Yeah. We did this correctly. I think so too. We have, I really we have do. officially done this correctly. I would have maybe had Batman instead of one of these movies. I then I'm glad we did this. Correctly. I would rather had Batman Returns than one of these movies, but I don't want to say which one. I don't want to influence yeah, Kevin. That's what I did too. Um, so I am going to eliminate. Edward Scissorhands. All right, that's the movie I would eliminate. Too. Uh, Agreed. This movie give me the hard choice. Damn it, has some <laughs> cool art and stuff going on. Oh, this is gonna be and there's some pieces that are enjoyable. And it's got Winona Ryder, Anthony Michael Hall, and uh, damn, I can't. What's this? Johnny Depp. 
<laughs> I like how you keep doing that. That's, yeah. that's my favorite. Well, it's a really good gag when you're doing Tim Burton movies. Um, this is another movie where you forget how long it is until you're watching it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this scene's like 10 minutes, isn't it? And then like it'll do something God. else you remember, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, this scene's like 15 minutes long, isn't it? And it does that repetitively. There's like a good... It's also a Christmas movie, Kevin. <sighs> oh, you disagree. It sure is. Okay. Why not? Man, this is so hard, yes, you guys. These are the two Why good would movies. you? Do- I, I was can't. really hoping Kevin would try to like rig it by picking one of these two movies and then like steering me towards the other one because he knew I would probably pick. No, I, I did okay, it because so I don't want to pick between the, these two movies because these are my two favorite, hands down. Absolutely, we're all on the same page here. The two movies left are Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetle Guys. Can we? Can maybe me and Kevin can prevent a four? Uh, we'll each just take a random movie, and then Nathan, you can pick. I you feel like that you way guys tell me what would you pick and right. why. I will give. I'm going to say give, whatever. I'm going to give the opposite. So, uh, so I will give the case for keeping Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's what I'm wanting. And I'm giving the case for keeping Pee Wee's Big Adventure in the following way. Number one, uh, Pee Wee Herman got robbed. Um, he had a rather crappy scandal that uh, derailed what was a pretty cool thing going on. Um, this movie is full of running gags, and all the running gags land. The basement of the Alamo. <laughs> Let's talk about your big butt, um, Andy. Every th- every single joke with Andy, the boyfriend character, was amazing. Francis. Uh, Francis, I like that story. Um, Being have, a loner, Dotty, a rebel. I don't have to watch the movie, Dotty. I lived it. Paging, Mister Herman. Mister Mister Herman, the bad dub. Um, the whole bicycle thing, Large Marge. There's so many memorable chunks of this movie. It also, uh, unlike the other ones, you aren't leapfrogging from lily pad of memorable moment to lily pad of memorable moment. There isn't downtime in this movie. It really does just plug along well. And this is a movie that watches well from like age five until like 50. Cradle to Grave. It's a Cradle to Grave movie. Uh, Beetlejuice is uh, the original, starts the original. Tim Burton uh, actor that he loved, Michael Keaton. And it has a great cast with Alec Baldwin, you may forget, Gina Davis, a story of uh, what happens in the afterlife. This movie is so weird. It has some stop-motion animation, which is very Tim Burton. Of all the Tim Burton movies, this is, uh, just like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it's like the quintessential Burton film. And it's hilarious because Michael Keaton is not only playing a comedic role, but he's playing a uh, serious enough role in this movie. Uh, t- I will right. say that Beetlejuice is more Tim Burton-y than Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's just because it's dark. Let me let me go with this then. I think I might I've made my choice. Okay, they, both these movies have like great like kind of zany off offbeat weird comedy that kind of we come to expect now from from Tim Burton's stuff. You know, kind of offbeat weird, a little a little crazy, and they're both they're both funny movies. Um, I just think that the the kind of offbeatness of it works better in a movie for little kids than a movie that's probably for like older kids slash adults. So I'm gonna go Pee Wee by a by a nose. Um, so Bill Juice by I love you, and I'm only gonna say that once so you don't appear and torture me. All right, <laughs> that is our. Uh, I think that's great. I and think our winner is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, I don't think we could, pick which a, I believe is his first directing gig for directorial a, debut. His directorial it's debut. It's his first feature film, I think. Yep. Yeah. So that was when he had the least amount of say, which I think hits Nathan's goal. Well, Pee Wee let <laughs> he he basically Tim Burton pitched it to Pee Wee, like let me direct this movie. Pee Wee took a chance on him, 
And then when Pee Wee uh, Paul Rubens had his little uh, masturbation scandal, he was cast as the Penguin's parents in Batman Returns because he said, "I will always remember how t- uh, Paul Rubens took a chance on me, and I wanted to uh, give something back to him." All right. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, we'll tweet us your favorite Tim Burton movie, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks! Good time, bro.